Broadcasting live from the Orlando, Orange County Convention Center for Hymns 17. It's this just in. Now, here's your host, Justin Barnes. Welcome to the special edition of This Just In of Hymns Radio. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. We'll be broadcasting live from the HIMSS 17 Annual Conference inside the beautiful Orlando County Convention Center. Let me also introduce my radio and on-air producer, Ryan McPherson. Hello, Justin. How you doing, my friend? It's great to have you back on the air. That's right. We're year number two for <laughs> This Just In at HIMSS uh, here in Orlando. That's right. It's great. Uh, we have a great partnership, and uh, you're one of the best producers in the industry, so I appreciate your time, my friend. You're too kind. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and many thanks to everyone who's joined us already here in person, and certainly to everyone listening via the Business Radio X and the Healthcare Now radio networks. We have the industry's most sought-after CEOs, CIOs, care providers, policy leaders, visionaries, and you can find them all here on our show. Um, but our goal is to really bring you the latest in healthcare innovation, strategy, policy, entrepreneurialism, and surely best practices, as well as strategies to successfully navigate the future of healthcare, your physician practice, your company, or even your family through all these changes occurring across healthcare today. There is more opportunity than ever before for all of us to thrive, but we must really understand how healthcare is evolving, how policy and reimbursement is shifting, and where best practices and innovation can support our efforts. So, very excited about our next segment. Two phenomenal guests, Dr. Karen DeSalvo and Susie Grzancic, Principal, Health Advisory from EY. And Dr. Karen DeSalvo, former National Coordinator of the ONC and Acting Assistant Secretary of HHS. Correct. Excellent. Hey, Justin. How are you? Fantastic. And thank you very much for joining us back on air again. And thank you for doing a selfie on air again. Of course. <laughs> so Fantastic. happy to be here. Now, you guys are wonderful, and thank you. Um, so the segment came up for Women in Health IT and all the great work that you guys, you both are doing. So we want to take a little bit um, of a fresh start there. But, but before we dive in too deep into the, uh, the dialogue, I first of all want to take a moment to thank you, Karen for all your work that you've done. You've been a phenomenal collaborator, and you still are, but when you were national coordinator and working on Capitol Hill, um, we as an industry, uh, I come from the vendor side uh, as well, and um, you, your team, were just phenomenal collaborators, and I think we were able to get a lot done, uh, still a lot more to accomplish, but we just always appreciated working with you and working with your team, uh, and so I want to say thank you for your service in the government. Well, Justin, thank you. It was really my pleasure to get to serve you and the American people and we, we wanted to have a big tent and an open door because we serve you. You are the boss, not you particularly, Justin, right. but everybody, <laughs> yes. all the taxpayers and, yes. and others who are getting, getting service uh, from us. And, and it was a real joy. And I'm so thrilled that so many of the team there to keep, are going to be able to keep carrying forward on that kind of approach. Yep. Nope. Thank you. So before we dive into the segment specifically, what have you been up to over the last um, couple of months? And well, it's been just four weeks. Yeah. But it's been a really nice respite. I think uh, as many people advised me, they said to run run through the tape. Uh, as a runner, I, mm -hmm. I, I really understood that. Do some negative splits. Make sure you get everything done that you can, that you want to get done. 
and then take a rest um, because it's important to really reflect upon not only uh, what you accomplished, um, where you think there's still opportunity to make a difference with your skills and your interests. And so that's exactly the process that I'm in. And I have to say, it's hard to uh, to let go. You never do that because you're in love with all the work that you've been doing and, mm-hmm. and all the people engaged. But I've just been taking a bit of time to really think about where we all need to go next. And you were very, you did a lot of work in the public health sector mm-hmm. uh, before you came onto the ONC. Yes. And obviously some of your passions there, but are there other sectors or other passions that you might have or what do you, what do you think um, for the future? Life coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I'm a doctor first yeah. and I uh, spent 20 years of my life practicing medicine and teaching people to practice medicine and running healthcare settings from primary care and being engaged in hospital management. And, and at the time of Hurricane Katrina, my course shifted. And I, though I was engaged in research at the time and teaching and administration and clinical care, uh, the community came first. And I got more and more engaged in policy, which led me um, not only to be the health commissioner for the city of New Orleans, but eventually to yep. Washington. And sure. where I capped off my time in, in HHS was uh, as assistant secretary for health, uh, as you say. And focused quite a bit on how we can really improve the health of all people, leveraging tools like healthcare, but recognizing that there's more to health than healthcare, that the fact that your geography, your zip code matters more than your genetic code is going to require all of us to really not only leverage data, but leverage the tools and resources we have to to bring health. You know, this is um, a time in history when we have so much opportunity, but we're even still seeing declines in life expectancy and widening gaps. And so I want to try to understand how not only me personally, but how we can bring all the great resources and thinking in this country to bear to make that not the case so that we can reverse that curve and, and close that gap. I love it. No, that's fantastic. So Susie Grzanzik, thank you for joining us. This is your Absolutely. first time on the show. Um, and you've been involved with discussions with HIMSS and uh, Women in Health IT. Uh, and I, I believe it's the um, Women Fast Forward Initiative from EY. So tell us about that and tell what you guys are working on. Sure. So Women Fast Forward is really trying to look at uh, the perception out in the industry that gender pay parity and gender equality is probably a lot further progressed than it really is. And so what Women Fast Forward tries to do is start a a conversation um, at an international level around those issues based in fact, talking to business leaders around the world. And what EY's tried to do is take a leadership role in that conversation and to really think about how do we accelerate gender pay parity. So I'd probably cite two different reports. One is actually through HIMSS, where they looked at some longitudinal data from 2006 to 2015 and said, you know, what is the difference in women healthcare IT, uh, essentially their pay versus men in comparable fields? And over that time, it's been about a, uh, they say about a 3% gap has, it's actually worsened. And then you look at something like the World Economic Forum, and they focused on looking at gender pay parity. And between 2014 and 2016, another 30-some years were added in terms of their longitudinal look to say, when would we reach gender pay parity? So when we look at the numbers, our perception is not reality. Very good point. So you brought up the World Economic Forum. Do you work with them at all? The, um, this gentleman, Oliver Olivier, I met last week in Atlanta, who is 
over from Paris who uh, works on the forum, and he, I guess he leads strategy, but we're, he's working on value-based care models globally. Um, so I don't know if I just kind of just came across him for the first time in my life. But. So we don't work for, for the no, economic with, yeah, forum right. so much as trying to make sure that we work with them yes, and incorporate yeah. information that they're putting out around reports and things like that into sure. that global conversation. Because the more often that you can make it fact-based and bring it to life yep. um, and really look at something that's an international uh, body of study, uh, we think that's where you'll see some of the biggest impact and acceptance around numbers. I completely agree. So what do you see? Are we making progress or where are we with um, the pay the pay gap and with women in health IT? So again, I'd have to point to that HIMSS study around specifically women in healthcare IT, mm -hmm. and that was about, I think, 2.7% was it actually worsened about 3% mm -hmm. over their study period of time. Um, it showed that it was a little bit worse when you looked at some of the senior ranks of leadership. And I think that just speaks to the level of focus and perception and measurement that is probably not happening at the right level to make sure that real progress is being made. So I think it's an area that needs as much focus to improve those numbers as anything. So. And you won the award, is that? There are a few of us, actually, yep. that are awardees, yes, yes. of the, the women, in, women of Influence in Health IT. Yes. It's really quite an honor. So tell us about that, and, and tell us, you know, the direction for that and, and what you guys hope to accomplish beyond the obvious of, of more income. I'm going to let Susie say more about the mm -hmm. awards, um, but I, I want to just uh, thank Hims and, and thank Carla Smith and others for and the yeah. committee for launching it. It's important that we make sure we're recognizing role models and lifting up um, people who are going to be approachable, accessible, and be willing to help mentor the next generation, not just of women in health IT, but men as well. But mm -hmm. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an important and um, valuable opportunity to, to make certain that uh, women know that health IT is a big tent and that we are going to welcome in the best and the brightest and the most eager. It's one of the things I love about the health IT community is it is welcoming, it's open to innovation and new ideas, and it's important, I believe, uh, that HIMSS has really spotlighted the value that women are bringing to health IT and the need for us to make sure that we're uh, recognizing role models and, and allowing for that pipeline to really build. And when Karen speaks to that concept of recognizing role models, uh, one of the things that we focus a lot on is how do you illuminate the path to leadership? Yes. So I, I think one of the, the pain points for everyone is you have some women doing incredible things within the health IT space, and yet you look at kind of the generation coming up or people interested in those types of careers, and they don't necessarily see a path or see that, you know, arms wide open, the tent is open to come around them and help them also think about the innovations that they can make in IT and the, the steps they can take in their career because we are wrestling with such big gnarly problems mm -hmm. within healthcare that we need every mind we focused do. on them and that gender equality is part of it. Uh, the diversity of thinking that you'll see between men and women, um, different cultures all coming together is what's going to start really making progress. I, I want to layer on top of that, Justin, that um, you know, it's, it's obvious I was the first female national coordinator and uh, that, that um, was simply, uh, more than anything, I think an opportunity for women in the field to, to see the chair held by someone mm -hmm. who was like them. Um, I, I, I would say also that our, uh, during my time at, at ONC, at the Office of National Coordinator, I, I was really deliberate about increasing diversity not only on my own team and not just based on, on gender, but on background race and ethnicity, and we wanted to do that on our advisory committees as well. I think the, one of our responsibilities 
in the, in the federal space was to make sure that we were setting the tone that this has got to be yeah. a, a big tent and people are going to have opportunity. So what are some of the best practices there? Because, I mean, me, uh, I've been fortunate to have a couple companies and so forth. And, and um, how do you advise us or how can we get better? Um, and what do we look out for and, and what can we do? What are some best practices there? So one of the things we tried to do with NEY was talk to global business leaders. And we talked to men and women, and I think it was about 400 around the world, as well as trying to draw from our own experiences. And we said, what are things that could essentially accelerate or create some quantum leaps around gender diversity and advancing women in a profession. And I think one we just mentioned was really illuminating that path to leadership, um, providing sponsorship, which is really putting your personal weight and brand behind individuals versus mentoring, which is having conversations and coaching, uh, showing that role model uh, where it's possible. So Karen showed it's possible mm -hmm. and it's something that's very valuable to take on. And then also thinking about creating corporate policies that create a foundation to allow for women to be successful as they continue through the ranks and through their leadership roles. And then really one of the hardest ones is trying to uh, make sure that you're weeding out unconscious as well as conscious bias. And I can, I can give an interesting example sure, when please. we're ready, but it's just... Um, it's probably the hardest one to, to fight. Unconscious bias by its very nature is you just, you're not thinking about it and it's just the way you're reacting to situations. We, we, when I was in academics, I was one of the, uh, usually the only female in the room actually, and I was really early um, in, in my academic career, but it evolved over time and it evolved because of deliberate thinking on the part of the entire team, male and female, that we needed to make sure we had a diversity of opinion and we were inclusive in providing opportunities um, for for a pathway to leadership and and uh, academics and medicine have been uh, increasingly successful mm -hmm. in, in that in that sphere. But there's a subtle piece to this which um, is worth just pointing out that uh, sometimes sometimes there's a need to have um, I'll call it cross gender mentoring. So a mentor as a, as a as a woman to have a male mentor mm -hmm. and because they're going to have networks that maybe senior people above you didn't true. have. That's and so point. this isn't just about women mentoring or being role models for women. This yeah. is about everyone recognizing talent and being yes. well to, being willing to foster it and support it and, and and think about it as again a big tent and an opportunity for the best ideas to come forward. So a couple things that come to mind around that very much that concept of needing men to act in those same sponsorship roles, not just having a one-on-one, -on -one, woman to woman mentorship or mm -hmm. sponsorship. Uh, for example, Steve Howe within our EY team is our America's managing partner, and he's the head of our inclusiveness um, organization as well as his larger role, because it's that visible leadership, both with men and women talking about this, that's gonna make some change. Um, I can share, thinking through some team assignments myself and it's about opportunities that get presented so when I talked about unconscious bias young female leader on our team there was an international opportunity coming up and one of the unconscious biases might say you have a young family you probably don't want to travel and so I or someone else might never put that opportunity in front of you because I've essentially almost made that decision for you thinking I know right. best or I know the difficulty of potentially raising a family and traveling Putting the control and providing the opportunities back in the hands of, of that woman yes. and maybe giving good counsel and mentorship around it is really more important than filtering opportunities. It's broadening the opportunities. It's an excellent analogy. Because that person reason, yeah. Yeah, might actually have a support structure that said, go international, right. uh, you know, I'll back you up. Yep. 
Nope, that's uh, fantastic. So tell me what's coming up in 2017, or maybe even around, you can talk about him 17 in the next couple of days. Is there something that we should look out for? Are there a couple of sessions that, uh, that would be educational? Because you just bring up a very good point that that's subconscious in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that example. So where can we learn as an industry, as individuals? Well, I know we are on a roundtable. We're having a roundtable in the morning at 9 a.m. And I don't know the room number, but it, yes, it's a, a Women yep. in Health IT roundtable. Yep. So I'll be there. Others will be there. It's a great opportunity, I think, for a more informal dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an event this evening where the, with the, for the awardees. Then, of course, there's always the hit chicks, which are um, always out in force and tweeting. And they have a meetup tomorrow. Um, and I and I think it's at 10 or 11, and maybe somebody uh, will tweet about it and, and make sure that we know when that is. They're a fun group of really oh, energetic. Oh, yeah. Jen Denard is part uh, of that. She was oh, on my yes. radio show a couple weeks ago. And, and they, yeah. always, they always make me smile and laugh. And then yeah. there's a women's reception, which... Uh, just this evening. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing is you say what to look forward to is mm-hmm. thinking about content within hymns in the coming years that yep. actually focus on some of those things, um, illuminating that path to yes. leadership. I mean, the Women in Healthcare IT Awards are one way to see great examples this evening of mm-hmm. uh, people to look up to, to model, and to get to know. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot more we can do, and we can be very, very specific and um, pragmatic about making real change and measuring that. I completely agree. And Denise Hines is, gonna, is another just role model for, for all of this as well. She's a very dear friend, and she I'm sure she's involved. I know she's involved in this initiative as well. well we have a great team at ONC. Don't forget them. I'm, I'm not with them any longer. <laughs> you do. But, like, yes, you, you know, do. Elise Anthony and Lisa Lewis. Uh, you know, Rebecca Freeman. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of really um, other, others that I would ask folks to seek out because sometimes they're, they're mm-hmm. uh, in the government, and so you don't always think of that. But, by the way, government parity pays uh, pretty nice because <laughs> they often publish your pet. So Good point. Yeah. What about coming up with EY or this year in 2017? Um, are, what initiatives are, should we look out for or that we're going to hear about maybe coming in 2017 around this? So I think you're going to continue to see that concept of women fast forward out in the market. Um, There's definitely uh, things that have been spoken about at Davos, panels that were there, um, a lot of global forums uh, at International Women's Day coming up in about two or three weeks here. uh, That will be kind of being bold and taking on that challenge around gender pay and diversity is coming up. And I think you're just going to continue to see corporate and social policy and just really a focus in the market and telling those stories about women IT leaders and just women, inspirational women's leadership stories and how to build those networks and those formal programs that can actually lead to women in leadership roles. Carrying that theme in kind of our closing here, what, um, what advice would you offer um, women in health IT and in our sector and what best practices might you point out to them? So I think the first thing I would say is to keep such a a broad mind to what types of opportunities can come up. And I think about the women I've worked with both on our payer and provider sides who um, might have been a a nurse, a nurse practitioner, Mm -hmm. um, and suddenly start to see that they're loving data and analytics. And they start to then bridge across once opportunities and sponsorship are there to say, all right, you know what, I can be an informatics leader because I know the business. Uh, I know how to put patients at the center of, of care. And now I can also start to bring and wrap around things like the data analytics and, and innovative ways to refocus the industry. So I, I think it's that that concept of that broad mindset, mm-hmm. coaching people about their opportunities, and then really um, measuring whether there's true progress being made and, and keeping that going. Because the problem is you stop 
and then you think you've made progress and you haven't. I think there's an intentionality around management and leadership that people must take into account no, no matter who they are mm -hmm. and, and really be thoughtful about whether you've got um, the kind of diversity of thought on your team, not just diversity of gender. Uh, I want to uh, make not get out of here without making the point that as we're thinking about diversity, mm -hmm. we need to think uh, along many lines, including race and ethnicity. Yes. It's yes, an important sure. area of work that we need to do in health IT. And I would just make a plug for the broader pipeline, the importance of reaching even more deeply into high schools, junior high, and really encouraging young women to feel comfortable or continue to feel comfortable with math, which STEM with, and so, with yeah. STEM yes. careers, yeah, because sure. we want to make sure that we're letting them know that they have value, that they're valuable, and that they're completely capable of doing it. So There's true. such cool programs, whether it's Girls Who Code, um, mm -hmm. the different conferences and forums, but I think it's... Um, knowing about those, creating the opportunity, and really having parents, teachers, educators, and people within the payer and provider practice going out into the schools and educating them to, this is what it's like to develop a product that could suddenly be a wearable for a patient. And how does it feel knowing that your grandmother or your mother or your father are actually using those things um, and you could create the next generation of that? Excellent point. No, Jen Denard on a radio show a couple weeks ago talked about Girls Who Code, that initiative. So that's fantastic. And you brought up a neat point because I just did this and I'm, I'm going to see her in a few minutes. But um, I just hired a nurse um, to lead my clinical strategy for one of my companies. And she, she's amazing in her own right, but having such a, that clinical background. And then she's also, she knows pop health, she knows analytics, she knows quality reporting. Um, and so she's going to be an amazing leader um, in that, and I'm certainly going to help and, and support You've already this. written her performance review. She's going to be like, I'm going to phone in this year. But you know, a lot of work to do. And, and nursing has an advantage on, on the physician training community because they've been engaged in nursing informatics. So she, right. Right, it's, it just becomes a natural part of what they're learning as part of their curriculum, right. which is so exciting. And we need more of these people every day in healthcare. And yes, that need is do. only growing as Especially well. Especially as we're doing more care coordination, so right, and more, more reaches across, you know, across other other disciplines. As physicians, we just aren't trained as well in that, and nurses definitely are, so I think there's and great one the, opportunity. One of the True. points I love about that is repurposing your career. That I mean, I think that's just a key thing as well, is that you don't necessarily yep. have to grow into a technology career as your high school on up uh, goal. It often is a position you take as you start to advance your career and see possibilities. Very true. Ladies, fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. Susie Grzanek, Dr. Karen DeSalvo, thank you for joining the show today. Thank you, Justin. You guys are terrific. Enjoy hymns. <laughs> thank you. You as well. Take care. This next topic I'm extremely excited about. Poor Jeff. He's like, oh, gosh, what are we in for? Jeff Coughlin, Senior Director, Federal and State Affairs for him. So welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. Now, my pleasure. This is your, uh, your first time, so yeah. I'll, I'll go slow. I'll be Long gentle. Long-time listener. There you go. First-time caller. That was actually a good friend of mine. Actually, panelist from, he'll be on tomorrow. I had him first time on a radio show a couple of years ago, and that's what he said. He's like, first time, first time car, long time listener. Like, I don't like that. I don't want to be too cliche, Justin. Good, that's good. <laughs> but we're going to talk about MIPS, the Merit Based Incentive Payment Program. It's something near and dear to my heart. It's what I, it's, you know, I get to navigate care providers through these different types of programs. It's where my passion lies. But I would like to get 
kind of the latest and greatest of what you're hearing, what you've, you know, recently what you've seen. But let's start off with kind of a high level. Uh, so what is the latest that you've heard about MIPS and any, any new interpretations from the last couple of weeks? You guys have your finger on the pulse, so. Yeah. I, I think the important thing to emphasize here is that uh, just on Friday, uh, CMS announced um, uh, mm-hmm. some awards that they made for technical assistance for 11 different organizations across the country. And these, these awards are really going to be focused on uh, small providers and uh, small practices, rural providers. And, and the idea is it's, uh, it's an, a, a service that CMS is sponsoring at no cost to the provider themselves, but they'll show, uh, walk providers through the process of, uh, of uh, availing themselves of, of all the opportunities around, around MIPS and around APMs and, and the quality payment program in general. So it's, uh, it's, I think it's exciting. It it's is. something yeah. that we have been, uh, been waiting for a while, and uh, you know, I don't think it could come at a better time right before the HIMSS conference. There's several sessions here focused on, on MIPS, yeah. um, and there are, uh, uh, I think it's a, it's a great uh, point in time for, for CMS to kind of emphasize that this help is out there for folks. Yep, and I think it's over $100 million, too. It's- right, yeah, so it's, it's $20 million uh, for this year, and then uh, what was, what was uh, enacted by Congress and, and the Obama administration was $100 million over five years. So it's, uh, it's the first year of a, a long program that, uh, that, that should be very helpful. And I think it was timed appropriately, because they usually do that. Um, CMS always announces something on a Thursday or Friday before we go into him. so yeah. uh, timing was, uh, was perfect as always. Obviously, HIMSS has phenomenal resources, but uh, but how do you advise, uh, you know, health organizations on, you know, next steps or best ways to prepare or any resources and the like? Yeah, I think that the flexibility that CMS provided yes. um, through Pick Your Pace yep. as part of, of, of the MIPS program uh, was important. And, and I, I think that what we've been trying to do is just encourage physicians to um, use this time to, uh, to evaluate what... Uh, uh, what you have and, uh, and and where you need to go in terms of uh, meeting the requirements for this year. So there's several flexible options, mm-hmm. as you know, for uh, reporting this year for the requirements around this year. Um, and, and this is, is a good test case that, that folks can use. And I think in terms of specific steps this year is things like doing a security risk analysis. Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of one of the, one of the requirements. Yep. And also just figuring out what your patient population is. And that way you can, I think, better meet their needs and, and better meet the requirements down the road. And, and also, I think other things are understanding where your EHR is in terms of um, so, certification yep. and, and what, what capabilities of your, of your health IT is. So I think those are all, uh, all steps that, that folks can take this year. Uh, in anticipation of, of uh, hopefully going a full year next year, but even taking advantage of, uh, of meeting some of the requirements this year so you can avoid a penalty uh, in, in, in 2017. Totally agree. And I, and I agree on a couple points there. So I think you, you need to push your vendors as well, your EHR providers, to make sure that, A, they're keeping pace, uh, but then also that you're in queue to get those upgrades so you can do the reporting as easy as possible, qualify for the high amount, highest amount of incentives. You know, I agree with avoiding certainly the 4% penalty, but then hopefully let's go for 1%, 2 or 3% increase or maybe right. 4%, you yeah. know. No, 
Yeah. So I completely agree. And also, uh, the pick your pace, I think that was uh, well welcomed and well received by the industry. It's outside of the strategy for meaningful use. I think they've, CMS learned a little bit about flexibility. And then also, you know, when you look across the different specialties, for I mean, just to give an example, family medicine is 55 measures to choose from in the quality. So it's really truly flexible based on your specialty, based on how you practice medicine. I think internal medicine is 37, cardiology is 20. So there's so many different criteria and so many measures to choose from. You only need to do six to get your max quality credit for 60% of your score. Right. So I think I was very happy to see the flexibility and I got to spend a lot of time with CMS during that process as well. And I was, I mean, when I set the final rule and even um, some of the evolutions past this, even what you just mentioned on Friday, I was very happy with, with the flexibility, with the support coming. And I, and I don't see, I, I see more positive things on the horizon um, as well. So yeah. I would agree there. So yeah. what best practices would you offer um, to, pra- to uh, physicians and care providers that need to engage? A, I'm sure one of them is engage the program. Do not ignore it. But right. outside of that. Right. Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, there are a lot of resources that are out there. Um, CMS has a yeah. great website. Yeah, QPP. Um, yes. QPP.CMS.gov. Yeah. Excellent. And I encourage everybody to go there. That is a, a clearinghouse for all the information that you could possibly want about, yep. about, uh, about the quality payment program. So I think that that is, is probably a, a, a good one-stop shop for folks. You know, and then I think you know, the, lean on HIMS and lean on other organizations uh, on our HIMS website. For sure, um, we yeah. do have a, a, a quality payment program resource center. Um, we're still, um, you know, it's constantly being updated and and uh, and evaluated in terms of what what we can uh, make available to uh, to the public yep. in terms of what what they need to do, what requirements they need to meet, how to go about doing that. So, uh, you know, HIMS is just one of the organizations, not to not to be parochial, sure. but no, it's, yeah. but there are, but there are other organizations out there too that that you can lean on. And uh, I think that just in general, the idea of, uh, of the shift from volume to value, uh, I think everyone realizes the importance of it. I think everyone wants to support it as much as possible. Um, and so I think that in the nonprofit community, um, the health IT world, I think we're all trying to do everything that we can to make sure we're pushing in the same direction mm-hmm. and make sure that we are, are, are helping, uh, you know, especially those providers that maybe don't think that they could, you know, participate in the program right. this year. And like you said, go for actually a positive adjustment sure. this year versus just avoiding a, yeah. a negative adjustment. Have an offensive strategy and just defensive. Yes. No, very true. And I, and I lean on HIMS, actually. I lean on HIMS more than any other organization because because of the resource and the breadth and depth of, of HIMS. So, yeah. fantastic. Jeff, thank you very much for joining us today. I Really appreciate your time, my friend. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for having me. You got it, thank you. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us today. And please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so you can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content's always posted on my website at justinbarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week.